Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for Stage 14 of La Vuelta. What could have been one of the big raid stages starting in France this morning in Sauvetel de Bern and crossing back into Spain uh, uh, to Lara Belagua, Belagua, 157 kilometers long, two HC climbs and finishing with a category one, 50 Ks of flat pretty much before the first HC climb, the Col Orser, 11.6 Ks, 8% descent, bit of a valley, Puerto de Laurel, I'm not familiar with the climb, 15 Ks, 8%, but the first 10 Ks are steeper than that. Descent, 3 Ks, 6% kicker, rolling valley, and then uh, the finish climbs 9.4 Ks, 6%, but it really levels off the last 1,400 meters of 3%. The first 5 Ks, 6 Ks are much more difficult. They're like 8%, 7%. But it's a raid stage, but it would all be dictated, Benji, by break formation because there's enough of time before the first climb that a decent break can get ahead. Um, and there's also enough valley after the last hard climb that a satellite rider would be really useful. I agree there. That being said, I never believed in a raid stage going into today's stage as a consequence of yesterday's stage, because when it comes to GC, Yumbo's in that position where they don't need to do it. And Yumbo is strong enough as a team to counter any attempts by UAE to put riders in the break or as satellite riders in the first place. So that combination made me not believe in that scenario at all. So I thought, I thought it was a breakaway stage. And one of the riders that after yesterday, because let's let's just talk about it instantly, Remco after yesterday's stage, whatever they whatever happened to him, they declared it as we don't really know what happened to him. That was kind of the the quote. So they weren't aware of what the reasoning could be. And therefore it was possible that today he could be either shit or today he could be actually back on back in town doing other things but he's 27 minutes out on gc going into the stage so it would have to be going for stages and there's that option of doing kom jersey cut up style as well in the process so that's the thing that he seemed to slip towards because he was one of the most attacking riders at the start of today's stage i reckon he was kind of he was kind of doing it like vanderpool was doing it in the tour de france as in force a breakaway with a movistar rider two up the road and then see who bridges that kind of failed even though the Movistar rider was riding with him in that duo. And then the next group formed with Remco once again involved. And there was this like breakaway formation phase where Remco was in almost every group. And that's the kind of thing where I'm sometimes scared when I see that. Because sometimes that means that they'll run out by the time the actual breakaway that goes up the road happens. They might run out by then and not be involved in that. But he wasn't the eventual breakaway, but before we list all the riders in it, did you notice anything when it comes to other teams trying to slip in? Or, Well, Yumbo weren't really trying to get a satellite ahead too aggressively. Um, it did take a while to go, but it's some riders do well with the flat break formation better than others, and Remco's one of those sort of riders who 
is really, really efficient and aerodynamic on the flat, or riders like Castroviejo, some riders who tried, like Geraint Thomas, you know, they miss it. And normally you'd think, gee, is good on the flat, but some riders you just, you try three times, and then maybe you do get in, like Kamner sort of riders, but then you're cooked. Uh, so it's, it's really difficult. That's why I thought this would be a tug buddy galore, but Remco didn't have one, and a lot of teams were actually... Oh, no, a few of them did have uh, tug buddies. But yeah, and it was... Cataneo <laughs> was suddenly also involved, even though he wasn't the instant tug buddy. As in, he slipped in eventually. So he's just well, not on this list. <laughs> we'll get to... I want to sort of keep that in the UAE discussion. Were, were UAE... I, I must admit, I had a little siesta. Were UAE <laughs> in initial break when Remco's jumping, were they mm -hmm. trying to get in with anyone? I didn't really notice them too much during break formation. As in... It looked like they weren't doing a controlling of the breakaway formation. I didn't see many of them trying to slip in breakaways. Maybe one or two riders might have tried, but I didn't notice it necessarily. So they can't have been active in trying to get in the breakaway. They can't have been active in trying to control the breakaway either. And when this group formed, they also didn't instantly respond by starting to pace behind. And well, it took so, a while. Say you want to do something with Ayuso today. Yes. To take real time and put pressure on the last climb. You are not dropping anybody. You're not. It's, the draft is too much. So you have to do it on the second last climb. If you want to do something with Ayuso, you need one of Novak, Almeida, who's on nine minutes, Finn? Or, or Finn Fisher Black in the breakaway. Almeida, it just, that just won't happen because <laughs> it's he Almeida. just won't. Yeah, he just won't. So, but Finn Fisher Black and, and, or maybe even Oliveira as a tug buddy for them, you've got to get two of those three in the breakaway. You have to if you want to try anything on that final on that second last climb and so that's why I'll, i didn't really notice them jumping so when the break did go i thought oh this is this is it i thought it was going to get yeah. blocked up and it was just going to go but it didn't you're right uae then like on grand colombier suddenly the word comes from the team car oh we're not <laughs> in the break yeah Start jumping. exactly they started they started kind of pacing behind was it jumping as well because I felt like it was mainly... Pacing initially, yes. Pacing initially, they, they were setting pace at the front of the peloton, and it was the kind of pace where I was like, okay, the gap is kind of existing already, so... It was over a minute. Yeah, Again. so you're pacing a breakaway that has been established, a 24-rider breakaway with riders like Cataneo, Evenepoel, Castroviejo, Caruso... No, which... wasn't in there. Yet. Yet, you're right. Gradek next to Caruso, so tag buddy for Caruso... Juanpe, El Patron, also in there. Like, Storr has a teammate in Davi. Kenna's yep. in there. Gebre's in there. Kaden Groves is in there, which probably for sprinting points, if he could grab some throughout the stage, if that was remotely possible. Van Eertveld, Bissiger with Quinn, Rukoshta, Johansson, Patili. So three riders from Intermarché willing to get that break rolling as well. Oliveira, Carvalho, Fernandez, Bardet with Dainese, Tugbuddy, Vauquelin, Le Danois, and Nicolau. Now, that's the list, but before we continue the UAE discussion, if you're one of these riders, are you happy to ride in this breakaway knowing that M. Kuevenepoel is in there? Not really, and none of them really were because <laughs> no one was pulling. Once he went to a minute, Remco was doing a lot of the pacing himself even before the Horsair, so he had a target on his back. It doesn't matter that he had a bad day yesterday. People know what he's capable of uh, you know, you know, on his given day, so... Yeah, apart from maybe FDJ with Stora, who think they might have a fighting chance, or Caruso for Bahrain, maybe. 
not many people will be because what else is Gradak going to do but pull, you know? So yeah, or Clement Davy. But apart from them, a lot of people looking at him. Maybe Dainese would pull. But before mm -hmm. we get into the real, the thing I want to discuss today is this. Continue this UAE discussion. Our show partner for this episode is Morton. Once again, they've just brought out the Gel 160, changing the game in sports nutrition. Morton are famous for their hydrogel technology, which encapsulates the carbohydrate stored within their gels and drink mixes used by Tour de France winners Jumbo Visma and Team SD Works, as well as a number of other teams in World Tour and Women's World Tour. And if you're going long, take more. And in these sort of mountain stages, the riders now are eating like 120, 130 grams of carbohydrate per hour. It's very different to what was happening maybe five, seven years ago. And the Gel 160 is for athletes who want more energy in each gel. Still hydrogel technology, but now with 40 grams of carbohydrates in each sachet. So I did some maths. If you have two Gel 160s, that's 80 grams of carbs compared to, say, three Gel 100s, 75 grams of carbs. That's one less gel an hour. So you, can, you don't have to take your bars off, your hands off the bars if you're going long or doing descents like these guys are doing, uh, which lasts longer than 15 minutes. Anyway, if you want to try out Gel 160 for your longer endurance sessions or where fueling opportunities are less frequent, you can get a 20% discount on Morton.com for LRCP listeners using the code Lantern Rouge 14. That's capital L. A-N-T-E-R-N-E-R-O-U-G-E-1-4, Lantern Rouge 1-4 for stage 14 today for 72 hours in US, UK, most of Europe, and should be uh, in the France and Spain as well. So thanks to Morton for supporting the show, and go and check out the Gel 160, really redefining sports nutrition. Okay, Benji, so, UAE. UAE discussion. Little recap. Established breakaway, UAE starts pacing behind that breakaway. The gap is over a minute. Why are they doing that so late without a rider in the breakaway? That's because they probably realize, okay, we still want to do something with the stage, but you're doing that without the setup for it. As in, you miss half your setup. You don't have your satellite rider for after the Port Lado climb, which is second last climb. And you need that because there's a major valley after that. You mentioned that already. So that's there. And it's like they realize that after a bit because the gap is going up. Eh? The gap is going up to like four minutes and so forth. And at that point, they kind of, they kind of stop for a second. I, I swear there was like a, a pause for a minute until we bizarre. had UAE and Yumbo both pacing. Well, no, but before in the valley, mm -hmm. they were pacing and then they started jumping. Yeah. And so they held it at one minute, 110. Remco's pacing up front. Then they start jumping with Rui Oliveira jumps with yeah. Cataneo. Good move from Cataneo because he's a good climber. But I'm like, Rui Oliveira is going to have to close 130 <laughs> on the flat? Oh, but no, he won't be able to do it on the flat because the climb will start soon, which is 11Ks, 8.5%. And he has to close one minute to Remco Bardet-Stora on that climb to do what? He's... He's not going to even get there. And even if he does, yeah. he'll get dropped. He ain't making it over Eroy Mendy, the second climb after this. It made no sense. And it's not exactly. like he was bringing. And then behind him, in a chasse-patate, is Finn Fisher-Black on the flat, the good climber who could close that gap. And 
it, it was literally, this was some of the worst break formation tactics I have seen. And the Grand Colombier wasn't great. This was significantly worse because Grand Colombier, okay, the break's gone. They still, yeah, they, they still got to work and managed it. They did a good job. Yeah. Despite the, this made no sense. I couldn't tell whether they were trying to bridge Almeida on the climb, going for the Ayuso stage win, trying to get Fisher Black in the breakaway. It, none of it was cohesive for anything. And you have two guys chaspatating. You now have one domestique left in the group. Novak, because Oliveira, Finn Fisher Black are ahead. Almeida won't domestique. Soler won't domestique for Ayuso. And also, when that break's gone, you're not getting a salad rider. It's done. You're yep. not getting one. It's too late. Forget about it. And so, maybe then that's, you can use the other guys to pace Ero Mendy super hard. I don't know, but it just it was a disaster. That's the thing that makes it worse than Colombier, because in Colombier, at the start of this stage, the breakaway formation does not go their way in the sense of their goal that they have for the stage. But the issue here is that they kind of double down. They double down. It's like... Um, uh, a fallacy? What, what do you call it? A mm, fallacy. That's a sun, word. Sunk cost, sun cost fallacy. fallacy. Where they keep on investing in something that's already lost to the point that it has more damage in the long run. And it just made no sense what they were doing. That being said, some people were actually able to bridge towards the front of the race, which was Cataneo. Like, Oliveira didn't. Finn Fisher Black didn't. And they were back in the peloton. And so, basically, at this point, after the UAE drama before the... Uh, the, the first proper climb of the stage. We now have a domestique for Rimko in the front. As in, Cataneo made it to the front, very which important. is very valuable, actually. Because yeah. he can now be the tug buddy, not only on the flat, but also on the first climb for Remco, so that he doesn't have to do everything alone, because people are looking at him, because he's the, on paper, strongest rider in the breakaway for this stage. Like, Bardet's got a Palmares and so forth in breakaways as well, but he's not the current reputation of Remco Evenepoel in breakaways. And Cataneo is just pacing right there. And in the peloton behind, that's what I alluded to earlier. You've got UAE back to pacing, combined with Yumbo kind of moving in a few times, and then also helping a bit later. So, it's like Yumbo Scar probably realized, oh, UAE's like trying to go for the stage win or something, so if we help, we might actually get the stage win for Roglic at the end of the stage, because Remco's in the breakaway, so he can't out sprint Roglic if the breakaway gets caught. And Ayuso, Roglic is going to out sprint Ayuso, or do you see something different in Yumbo helping the pace? Uh, I don't think they. Yumbo was setting a pace with Tratnik to let the break win. So on that climb, Tratnik was maybe going the same speed as the break, maybe mm -hmm. even losing to Cataneo, because the use for Cataneo on Horsair is no one is helping Remco. Everyone already knows how strong Remco is because he's shown them already on the climb, sort of half attacking them unintentionally. And so Castaneda's needed to set that pace at four minutes. Tratnik was not bringing it down. But the... Who was... And then Novak comes to the front. So Domen Novak comes to the front. He starts pacing really, really hard. And he paces much quicker than Tratnik. And then the Van Bala thing I don't understand. I think that might have been a pissing contest. Because he basically <laughs> came to the front, paced in front of... Your man, what's his name? Novak. And Novak. then for 30 seconds and then stopped. Yeah. But this is why I'm also confused with UAE. I made it to the back. You're not going to make Soler pace. You're not going to make Ayuso, Ayuso might attack. You have, you have no satellite rider. 
Fisher Black is Shasper Tatting, I think, at this point. You have 80Ks to go on this climb. You know, 90Ks mm -hmm. to go on this climb. You, are you going to close down the breakaway with Doman Novak for two and a half hours? No. Are no. you going to set a hard enough pace with Doman Novak where he has to pace two HC climbs in a row to put any GC rider under pressure? Absolutely not. And you have no satellite rider. It made so, no sense to me. If you're, let, let's say you're UAE and you do want to do something on the stage. If you had the break established and you're not in it, stop whatever you're doing. Don't try to reach the breakaway, get to the next couple of climbs and maybe pace I think, with. I think Rui trying to get Finn in the break is fine if you're going for a stage win. Not great, but fine. Yeah, that, that's fine, but... I believe if your goal is to set, an set up an attack from a user even without a satellite rider, then I understand that you can pace with Novak on the climb, or, or you can make it hard with Fisher Black than on the actual Port Laro climb, but then you don't need to do all the stuff on the flat anymore with Oliveira, with Finn Fisher Black. They need to keep your eggs for the exactly. actual climb to make the climb hard so that a user can do something there and maybe create the separation you need, because that's kind of your goal there. Because a user is probably just trying to pick off one Yambo rider. He, every Umber rider that he can pick out that yep. might have a weakness on any day is maybe a step to the podium for him. So that's how I see his tactics, but it was just a bit too much, a bit doubling down, and it wasn't very good in total, I guess. Well, and because Almeida, by the way, I mean, there's a lot of talk about, oh, yes, he said yes, I'll help, I'll help one. Didn't see that today. Um, he's just sort of doing his own thing, and maybe that's team orders to protect their own GC position. Maybe it's that, I don't know. But you, you cannot, with no satellite rider, you have a one hour valley. Say you do, like best case, Rolex is not good. And yeah. on Finn's pace on Puerto Loral, you put a minute into Rolex with Ayuso. He's gonna have two of the other Yumbos in his wheel. You have to do that descent, that whole valley on your own, whilst Rolich gets paced back by Volta or Kelderman or Hersink, it's just... And I don't want to be too critical of people trying to knock Jumbo off. I'm just saying, there was a way today, this stage, but it, it doesn't... They, that's, the way it would have been, yeah, as you said, you, you just let the break go, hopefully you have someone in it. If you don't, too bad. Then you've got to use the whole team, yeah. the whole team, including Almeida, maybe even including Soler, have to smash the Puerto Loral because you are not going to drop these guys or put them under pressure. And I'm even talking about David La Cruz here. You're not going to drop them yep. off Novak pacing for an hour and a half. So that was a long rant. Um, <laughs> I just... But to round it up, yeah. I do like that Ayuso is trying even though... Yeah, like, for sure. I don't mind him going for an attack on Laro even without a satellite rider up there because the last climb is relatively okay. Yeah, he ha will have to survive a valley, but... Imagine, for example, if Remco was like three minutes ahead, which he wasn't anymore on the second last climb. If he's three minutes ahead, that's kind of a useful rider to have ahead of you as well, because you know if you can catch him, that you'll have a, a rider riding with you towards the finish line. So that's also like an indirect satellite rider on a different team, but that wouldn't come into play today anyway, because the gap became too large. And talking about the gap becoming too large, the breakaway gets to the top of Colourcer, and we get a bit of a sprint between Remco and between Bardet. And those two are basically fighting for the KOM points. So not only does an MQ want the stage, he also wants KOM after already being active in the early breakaway formation phase. And 
He beats Bardet relatively easy, Storer's gapped on that sense, and you know Bardet. He sees a descent, he's like, hmm, I like that. And <laughs> he just keeps on going. He keeps on going with Remco. They both keep on going. And the gap is actually pretty huge. As in, I reckon the gap was 45 seconds, two kilometers into the descent, because Storer was alone behind them, and then the Grupo was behind them. So there was like a solo chaser at that point with the group not having the tempo to keep up with these guys. So the gap got bigger while UAE is spacing in the back still, and we're moving towards the Puerto de la Ro, and I don't want to... Let's not mingle any more words about it. We still have Remco and Bardet ahead. The, the gap to the peloton is now 5.30. The gap from Remco and Bardet to store is now 1.48, and Remco once again takes KOM points. And um, that's when the peloton has the actual action from UAE that they might have been trying to set up for, but didn't have the setup for, right? Yeah, Novak uh, is overtaken by Finn Fisher Black. He's pacing, but we see Almeida and Soler actually going to the back, and Finn Fisher Black's pacing actually drops Soler and Almeida. And so, um, yeah, it wasn't looking good, but Ayuso, he's just trying to attack one of the Yumbos and maybe get Mars or someone to work with him. He attacks on uh, Puerto Laurel. Yumbos are in his wheel. Um, and sort of that stuff. Did De La Cruz throw in a dig afterwards or not? Uh, I don't remember, I actually. I feel like De La Cruz threw in a little dig. Maybe I'm making it up. He definitely did it on the last climb. I think he did before as well. But anyway, he, he tries something. Um, he gets brought back because he's a top 10 threat. But when, when <laughs> Ayuso attacked, it wasn't four guys left, five guys left. Yeah. It was like a group of what? 12? Like Vlasov, Brooks and... And although yeah. Vlasov was looking a little bit shaky, I think. Um, and he put and then, Soler in trouble, basically, yeah? And then Bahrain see that. And that, I think, influences Bahrain later because Soler is just ahead of Lander on GC and they see Soler sliding on the Puerto de Loral. But yeah, there's not much Ayuso can do. No satellite rider. Yumbo's in his wheel. Where's he going to go? He stops. Volta comes back. Hersing comes back. Hersing starts pacing. You can pretty much forget the GC group. And so we're on to... <laughs> Remco versus Bardet, and that gap just keeps expanding now with Yambo put uh, Walter and Hessing on the front. It goes out to eight minutes. Remco's doing the majority of the work, even though Stora has kind of been caught by Castro and Van Eiffel behind. But I think Remco really, he, like the Belgian champs and other races, he knows mm -hmm. that on the flat, he can also hurt people by keeping a yep. really heavy, fast tempo. Because with the gap at eight minutes, he doesn't care about GC anymore. With the gap at eight minutes, he doesn't need to keep riding hard. He can, but I think he knows he can hurt someone like Bardet a lot on this rolling terrain. And I think he really did. Um, and they yep. get to the final climb. Remco, what percentage chance do you think Remco had it in the bag when they started the 9K final? Oh, I had zero doubts that Remco was going to win this stage yep. already from beforehand. Even though, like, Bardet's a, a good rider, eh? But when Remco's on, he's on and Bardet should not be beating him. And he looked on throughout the whole stage. Didn't have the weakness that he had on Obisk already at this stage, so... Looked like it was going to be better on today's stage. And Bardet taking over in the valley before we get to that final climb. Did that surprise you? I feel like it was kind of the thing of like, please don't attack me. I think he didn't want to do the valley on his own. And he knew if he sort of <laughs> mucked around too much, Remco would just hit him and he would never see him again. It would, <laughs> if, if, he got, if Remco got a gap on Bardet on the flat of even 10 meters, it's, it would be over. So... Yeah, I think he had to just offer a few pulls here and there, but they get to the final climb, Remco pacing, and he eventually just 
on the 8% section drops Bade off the wheel when he was pacing because Remco would have been happy to go to a sprint as well. Yep. It was Bade that needed to do anything, but he got dropped off the wheel. Remco goes clear. Bade cracks completely. And I think that pacing in the valley from Remco and Hard all day actually was what caused that. And Remco goes clear. He knows he's going to win. He's got Bade on a minute. He gets on the radio with like 500 meters to go, talking to the team. He's crying over the finish line and just a really emotional victory. His second one in this year's Vuelta. And what a highs and lows in the last 24 hours, Benji. From <laughs> He said yesterday he cried all night after you know collapsing and falling out of GC, going from 3rd to 19th. And today he wins the stage with, what, 100 and... It was effectively 150k solo because no one really helped him <laughs> yeah. on, apart from Cataneo on the first climb. Exactly. Props to Cataneo though because I do think that helped a lot in Did, yeah. making sure that UAE couldn't like make a serious dent into the gap because it went down to three minutes for a bit yeah. on that or Sarah climb. But Cataneo, good job on bridge and good job in the work there. It's also pretty clever of Cataneo that he realized, okay, I can jump with Oliveira and see if we can get to the front to help out Remco because... Some other teams might just be like, okay, Remco's up front, hands behind their backs, just wait until tomorrow, he's got it, stuff like that. But that's props to Cataneo. But Remco-wise, like, it makes you think, you know, because, like, he's such a, an attacking rider to his history. As in, if we look at the one-day races he does, his OG MO that he had back in the day, the, the long attacks, the one that he did in Polonia, for example, where he dropped Carapaz, uh, I think Eddie Dunbar as well in that in that Polonia. And that specific Polonia on that hilly parkour and so forth, like those those actions, I love that. I love watching a rider that attacks with 70k to go and puts the entire race upside down, stuff like that. A lot more than I prefer like a, a lost climb that has a bit of a sprint at the end on Iron Cell, for example. So I prefer those crazy stages. And it makes you wonder whether... Has he sometimes turned very passive when it comes to GC and left something that worked in the past to the side for the sake of being scared that it wouldn't work against GC riders? Does that question make sense? Like a long shot, you mean the long, like what he did in Polonia back in the day? Yeah, like that crazy shit. It's risky, but it kind of worked back in the day. I guess against, like... If Koos, say Koos was leading GC, Yumbo didn't yeah. exist, and Koos was on, I don't know, Movistar or something, or even not, they're not a good example. Then it got might strong work. Rulers. Yeah, then it would work, but it's tough against strong teams. Um, yeah. I don't know. He was certainly, like, today, incredibly strong and way better than yesterday. You know, you say, oh, well, he, he won sort of uncontested. The GC, the GC group did chase. They chased on the first two HC climbs and in the valley before Horsair. It wasn't like they just, they gave up, of course, after Puerto de Laurel, but he was still way ahead on Puerto de Laurel. Like, he must have been incredibly strong today. And then the obvious question that is going to come up is, yesterday he had that bad day. I reckon during the stage, let's say the first four minutes, he was dangling at the back, hoping he could survive the stage. Then between like the four and seven minute gap, I reckon he he was like, yeah, what is the point of me just keeping up trying to even remotely survive this stage? And then the gap evaporated in the last like 40% of the stage from seven minutes to 27 minutes. Like that gap was tourmalay. 
And yeah. I reckon the majority of those last 20 minutes that he loses is him just thinking, okay, there's no point in me try even trying anymore, just right to the finish line and and try to reset tonight, stuff like that. So like there were a lot of titles like he, he loses 27 minutes, pure capitulation, 100%. Like he capitulated and lost six minutes relatively quickly. But it's not like he lost 27 minutes by capitulating. I think that half of that is from like, yeah, fuck this. Like there's no point in me keeping this up. You, you get what I mean? Yeah, well, that's what I agree. Like, could he have finished with Almeida yesterday? Probably not. But I reckon on like 10, 11 minutes, he could have. And then if he's on, say he's on nine minutes on GC, is he allowed in the break today? It's Maybe close, not. Eh? It's still an because eh? it's an and it's also annoying. It's annoying because you have to then control it at three, four minutes all yep. day. It's just irritating. Um, not that you go into red, but you just can't let the gap really go out. So I don't know. But they'll have to figure out what happened yesterday because it is very strange to have. To be so good today and good in other stages. And then, like, first climb of the day yesterday, dropping from a group of 60, what happened? Was it bad rest day fueling? Was it... I don't know. I don't know. To, to give you credit, though, the day before yesterday, you texted me and basically told me that, yeah, I, I kind of feel like Remco might have at some point in this felt a bit of a, a Carpeña moment. Like, where do you believe that came from? Was that... The TT. Him not being consistent? Or the TT, yeah? Havalambre and the TT. They weren't as good as last, last year in the yeah. Walt of week one. He smoked everybody. And the Walts were so good. Pico Hanna, Van Quire, Les Prairies, untouchable. Untouchable. Ayusa was good in the Vuelta last year. And yeah. Les Prairies, Remco absolutely smoked him. And Havalambre is a 30-minute climb. We're quite steep. He got dropped by Roglic and, and Vingegaard, lost 30 seconds yeah. and got dropped 23 to Ayuso. And so I just didn't think he was as good as last year for whatever reason, whether that's a different preparation. This, this wasn't his A goal this year. His A goal was Giro and World's TT, and he kind of just did the Vuelta. Yeah. He did do an altitude camp, but it wasn't like last year. And so when I saw he was not so superior in week one, I thought he's, there's going to be big problems in week two and three. Like, going into this Vuelta, I feel like we both weren't very confident in Remco winning this race. Well, As in, we put, were like... We didn't put him can, on the podium, no? I think I put him on the podium, but I specifically said that I only believe they had like 5% or something chance to win the race. And I kind of don't know where that came from. I felt like for me, it was more that he focused on the ITT and might not have been in the best physiology to start the Vuelta in terms of, I don't know, preparation in that sense. That, that kind of was my reason, but I don't have like a specific reason outside of that. But I, I agree that when it comes to the time trial, that was not the most impressive time trial he's ever ridden. The inconsistency, the inconsistency during the first 10 days, probably not great. He crashed and like... He did crash, true. Like that can have consequences and he hit his head there, which I still wonder if they did a concussion test that evening because I reckon if they did that that evening, that he just had a hectic first three days. I just thought it's just Fuck a lot. It's just a lot. It's just so a lot much going pressure. On. I'd, um, I'd go down to pressure hole, but because of that, I wouldn't be able to handle that first week. Yeah, probably. That's why we just do podcasts and we sit here and <laughs> criticize people. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I well, I do know I, there was all those things, and I thought, <laughs> but he's still he's won. He won a mountaintop finish against. Those guys on stage three, 
And now he's won this stage, and now he's also in the KOM jersey with a decent now lead. Now he's He can, and he'll be, he should, he's probably a lock to win another stage if he has these legs. So Four. He's going to win in total. You reckon for four? two more. Yeah. So it's good that he felt, and yeah, he was really like, uh, emotional to finish. So I think it's it's good and also mental toughness today to come back and, and really strike back and and show a bounce back today I think is really, really good to finish a Grand Tour when you're out of it and, and keep fighting. I think doing the three weeks will do him good. So happy to see him win today. In the GC group, Bahrain came to the front on this little 3K kicker trying to distance Soler. They didn't. Uh, and then I thought they were going to try to drop Soler on the final climb. They paced with pulls. Butraga got dropped. Soler was dangling. Landa didn't attack. And the GC group all finishes together. Uh, so Remco, I thought Ayuso looked pretty pretty suspect, actually. But it, the yeah. climb was just not hard enough for anybody to do anything. I don't know. I, I didn't really notice the suspect necessarily. But in general, I, I feel like it was just a ride into the finish line from the Peloton yeah. group. and. Yeah, there was a, a bit of a sprint by Vlazov, for example, if I recall that. Did no, like the, chasing De La Cruz, the GOAT. You're right. DLX was up there. You're right. But I do have criticism for Remco. I think okay. he made a mistake in the stage, something that he should never do when he's in his cycling race, and that's drinking from a bottle that he gets oh, from come on, This has been so over. What, what, what? Sorry, the, the, but that is the dangerous. The guy's not pissed in the bottle. What do you mean? It's just but, a random uh, dude with some water. Yumbo might have poisoned it. You never know. Right. <laughs> like that... did it with Jan Heert? Yeah. No, <laughs> that was UAE. No, who who poisoned Jan Heert again? In UAE tour? <laughs> uh, no, he got food poisoning. He was going <laughs> to drop everybody on Jibel her feet. Um, after Jibel do ice, he was cooking. Yeah. No. no, I mean, why uh, would Yumbo do it for this stage? Now, obviously, it must not, have been but... the one he had the day before. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... twenty-seven minutes. I think it's not clever to drink from water you get from spectators, like. There's so much talk about, about like, doping tests and so forth, doping positives. Like, I would never do that if I wasn't psychist. I wouldn't trust anything. So the guy's holding up a plastic water <laughs> bottle, just a random French dude, giving it to Bardet. Give, give it to Bardet first, oh, by yeah, the way. Doesn't know which rider's taking it. Yeah. He, just, he, just wants well, to make a, he just wants to make any rider piss hot. And so he puts <laughs> something in the water. I mean... Come on. The theory doesn't make sense, but I think it's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think more likely the bigger problem is germs. You just shouldn't be drinking. This random dude could have yeah, COVID, could have COVID <laughs> or a flu, and he's he's been drinking out of it himself. Bear in mind, <laughs> the bottle wasn't full. He didn't just unscrew it. He's been probably drinking out of it. Yeah, so but, that's the bigger problem is germs, I think. And also, like, the people give these water bottles to throw over your head, if I recall. Usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what Bade didn't. Bade didn't drink out of it, and he yeah. poured it on Remco, and then Remco's like, "No, nah, give it to me," and drank out yeah, of it. Yeah, the difference between an MPCC team and not—they <laughs> get the rules of not drinking from spectator bottles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's a bit of a mountain out of a molehill, but <laughs> so I hope maybe Remco. Hopefully, he's okay. Yeah. Um, and your man wasn't. I mean, Jesus Christ. We got Almeida who said yesterday, "Yeah, I kind of have the flu." But um, I'll just keep riding. <laughs> just sit in a bunch. <laughs> Jesus, okay. Um, I did like his speech afterwards. Badass words, like that he said yesterday. But he suffered. He got like to question yeah. it a bit. As in, these are the these are the stages that make your character or decide define you. Define you. <laughs> these are the that stages the that can give you a serious health problem. <laughs> so they can define you and your career. <laughs> they can define you. They they will never define you in terms of towards spectators. I reckon. 
Even yeah. though, if you think about it, the dude was doing a 100 kilometer solo yesterday. That's why it makes no sense to me, though. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. So he can ride solo for 100 k's in the most intensive mountain stage with that much climbing per kilometer and catch and pass guys that were in group one whilst it was going completely apeshit and Jan Bovisma hard paced the whole stage yeah. all the way to the line and he only loses that much time and on Obisk he cannot raise his power enough to stay with a group of 60. It makes no sense. It, it makes no sense. The only thing that makes sense to me, I think there's something that makes sense, is that you have a bad moment on Obisk and you recover throughout the stage. That's the only thing that makes sense. Because he must have, like his power curve is improving during the stage. Mate. And this is what also doesn't stage... make sense. No, because I've spoken to other riders. I've had enough of that Almeida stuff. It make, <laughs> I've had enough. It is not efficient. On low port in Catalonia, because I always thought, I always gave him too much credit, and I thought... But he punctured there, no? In Catalonia. Well, which, which climb was low... where he punctured at the bottom? Don't know. Not going to let it ruin my narrative. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think it was low port. I okay. used to think he was being really smart and running set power. But what is actually happening is he's negative splitting a lot of these climbs because he is dropping on low port and then closing on Remco going crazy. He must be going faster than he did at the start. It makes no sense. And he's loot And on Koi, I've just... Okay, he punched on low port. <laughs> yeah, he punched on low port. Yeah. At the, at the bottom, and then he had to like do the Almeida forcefully. <laughs> All right, but I have to your, pick your another climb. Stance. There's other climbs where you did that. Anyway. <laughs> at least he continued. He maintained his GC position today. So GC, uh, there is a change, actually. Uh, David De La Cruz moves ahead of Steph Kras, who lost a minute today. He struggled. So De La Cruz, he is hunting that top 10. But yeah, um, no change in those top uh, nine. Anyway, anything else from today's stage? We learn anything, Benji? Uh, not much necessarily. I Just that we've got a bit of an, was it Adam Yez that did this in the past? A Carapaz in the Vuelta as well in the past? We've got that type of rider in Everpool now, and all the brake riders yes. that were... It was Simon, it's my bad. All the brake riders that were interested in getting in the breakaway and winning a stage are now very fearfully looking at Evenepoel every single time the breakaway formation starts. And if Evenepoel is in the break with Catareo at any point, if they have their tug buddy there, then, then he's likely to win the stage at the end of the day if that breakaway establishes. So other breakaway teams will have to find a way to get in breakaways that are not Evenepoel. And the only way to do that is just not work with him at all and hope that that break gets caught and try again, right? Pretty much. He's like, on his day, the strongest rider in the race, just about. So it's like, would you get in the break with Vingegaard on a mountain stage? Probably not. It wouldn't be but a good idea. If Remco does this twice more, he's back in the top seven. <laughs> <laughs> I think teams like Bora will chase if he does yeah, that. Yeah. They won't let I him reckon. back in that close. Um, a top 10 is possible, though, I reckon. Like... That's going to be close. 11 or 12 or 13. He already won this race. Be. Better to go for more stages, uh, I yeah. think. Tomorrow's stage from Pamplona to Leckenberry. I, I want to say Soler won this stage before. I keep saying, I've said it already multiple times, 2020. <laughs> he fucking did. Oh, I'm on. I am actually on one, but it was a different <laughs> climb. He won the Pamplona to Leckenberry stage in uh, La Vuelta 2020 when he attacked on the uh, final climb and descent victory yeah. when he was on Movistar. But this is actually... 
uh, different. They don't do as hard a climb. They do two repetitions of Puerto de Zaurate. 6K is 5.1%. Last one crest, 9K from the finish. There's medium mountains in the, in the first 80Ks of the stage. Too hard, I think, for Alperson, uh, even though Groves is really good and quite mm-hmm. resistant. I think this is, oh, it is a very steady climb. No, I think it's too hard. Alperson, and I don't think Alperson have the team. I don't think they can do it. Uh, and I think other teams will be kicking off to get in the break. So Don't you dare steal my pick. I'll let you pick first, but don't you dare steal my pick. Uh, I'm trying to think who would be your pick. There's two names that shout in my head for this one with climbs like this. Alexia Aramburu, but he's in Canada. N- no. Lascano. Okay, you can have him. Um, Gano. Go. Gano is a good one. I don't know how tight he is. Castro is good, but struggles to win because he doesn't have a sprint. Uh, where's Luke's boy, Felix Engelhardt? This is a good one for him. <laughs> yeah. Actually. Uh, or Sobrero has a decent sprint on him. I'm going to go with Sean good. Quinn. Sean Ooh. Quinn from EF. I think he and Piccolo need to get in the breakaway, and uh, I think Quinn is very, very good for this sort of finish. Also, Gregoire, of course, can win, but I don't know. I seem like the FDJ youngsters are getting a little bit tired now, uh, which, no surprise, into the end of the, the second week. Uh, for Quick Step, Remco, of course, I think will be yep. stage favourite. I, uh, I don't see why Remco can't win this stage. And maybe Novak. But yeah, I think it's going to be a breakaway. Igita, where he, he needs to get in, or Kamner. Kamner's won stages like this before ahead of Carapaz. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to go. Who'd I pick? Quinn. Uh, Quinn, yes. Team America's me, having a great uh, world so far. Ghana outsprits Remco and Lascano at the finish line. Ooh, that would be a nice finish, actually. <laughs> it I actually would, like... would. A millimeter sprint. That's what I want to see. For sure. That's the, uh, the best stage they could have had, um, to be honest. But anyway, uh, does Roglic no risk, no glory? I think it's too shallow. Nah. Like, they don't need to do that on a stage like this. They can just no. wait for the next opportunistic mountain stage. They can even go on, like, the, the stage afterwards, the base climb. That, I reckon, it's short, 120 kilometers, and has, like, this, this one climb at the end that is... Uh, Roughly five kilometers. It's steep. Like, that's the kind of thing where I expect him, uh, Roglic, to take time on some in, in the GC group, even if a break wins, even though it's short, so it might actually be controlled by Amber. Are Yumbo happy with the gap to Ayuso? I, I would never be happy with a gap, but they're happier than if it was smaller. So they will try and extend it a bit on stages where opportunities arise. But on the other end, I also feel like they're they feel relatively safe with three riders ahead of them. Because, like, say Koos has a major problem, crash mm-hmm. or yeah. gets tired, and then Ayuso is just better than Roglic and Vingegaard on uh, Anglaru, where team tactics can't really help you. He's mm-hmm. only a minute behind Roglic. Can really bring himself back into the race. I think if he's still behind by Cruz de Linares on stage 18, there's not much he can do, to be honest, yeah. especially when... Uh, who Almeida and Soler are not going to pace. They're going to protect their own GC position. And so can Finn Fisher-Black put Yumbo lead, Yumbo's leaders on threshold for a use to attack? On the evidence of today, the answer is no. So, um, 
But, but yeah, I, I don't think we'll see anything tomorrow. Maybe on that climb, they'll try taking another 10, 15 seconds on stage 16. But we got to say that when it comes to Angliru, I also don't feel like you're going to lose a minute there if you do have a bad day. As in, Roglic lost 26 seconds there, even though he had Kuz, but even if he didn't have Kuz, I expect he wouldn't lose more than 40 seconds there necessarily. So I reckon that Ayuso needs more than Angliru to be able to to upset this race at the moment. I think so, yeah. 13Ks, 9.5% with the last uh, 6Ks at like 13%. But who's going to pace for him? So, And I yeah. think Kuz, Kuz is pretty, and Vionis are pretty well suited to it. Anyway, that was our pod today, our recap. We've got the uh, Montreal Classic tomorrow evening as well, as well as this, what we think is a sort of puncher, transitional medium mountain stage finishing in Leckenberry, but it starts in Movistar's headquarters in Pamplona. Expect to see Las Carnes on the breakaway, perhaps winning. Benji will be happy, and we'll see you <laughs> with the recap tomorrow. Ciao. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.